inhabitants of peach trees, this is Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Can I do the whole podcast in this voice? I am the law. I am the law. I am the law. (laughs) (laughs) Inhabitants of peach trees, this is Judge Dredd. Mama is not the law. I am the law. Hey everybody, welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. We're all here today. What's up guys? How you doing? Doing good, Dave. How are you? I'm good. Colin? I'm great. All right. A couple of quick programming notes. So uh, we are still going to do True Romance at some point with Jamie. Uh, God knows when that's going to happen. So now, now True Romance is heading towards legendary delay status. But So whoever ends up doing that podcast better do a good job with it. Uh, and at the end of today's podcast, I'll be picking, I'll be making the next pick. Uh, and this will be our first pick that's based on a listener request. So that's kind of fun. Mm. So we are getting a little bit of feedback and some requests. So keep them coming because we're enjoying that. Uh, we've also seen at least one additional person has put a review on iTunes. So that's great. Anyways, so we're, we do like the feedback. We, I, I realize we don't have a good effective method for capturing that feedback. But anyways, reach out to us on Twitter. How about that? Well, today's film is Colin's pick. Uh, and it's a film that features a whopping 101 on-screen deaths, and a lot of them are very creatively shown, uh, and is the Pete Travis-directed 2012 Dread. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Peace Trees is the manufacturing base for all the slow-mo in Mega City One. You know how often we get a judge up in Peace Trees? Well, you got one now. She has control of everything. Levels one to 200. This is Mama. Somewhere in this block are two judges. That's not good. I want him dead. We were doing some research right up to the end of starting this podcast. And I saw that uh, Alex, so Pete Travis is the credited director, but there's a whole bunch of scuttlebutt in regards to Alex Garland taking over and doing the directing of this film, who he was actually the screenwriter for this film. Did you do additional, anybody do additional research on that? I did. Yeah. 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 So what's the story there? So at the end of the movie, when the credits are rolling, I see Alex Garland's name as the screenwriter. And I was like, oh, no way. I did not even know that. And then something clicked and I was like, wait a minute. You know the slow-mo sequences when they're when the characters are taking slow-mo? What? what are, why are you laughing? No, just because it's the drug's called slow-mo and it's a slow-mo sequence. It's a well-named yeah. drug though, then you gotta give <laughs> it, it gotta give it that. Accurate, yeah, accurately no, no, named. It's, it's, yeah, it's good, good good drug marketing. Yeah. But those scenes, they're very shimmering, lots of color, it's like kaleidoscopic effects. And all I could think of was the film Annihilation. Oh, me too, actually. Yeah, which is directed by Alex, Alex Garland. Garland. And I thought Oh my God, did he like shadow direct those sequences? And then I started doing a little research and it turns out that, well, sort of, maybe, um, certainly um, he had been uh, working on those actual sequences with the visual effects producer. And so they worked a long time on doing that. But then apparently during the post-production process, Alex Garland kind of took over the editing process and Pete Travis was sort of 
exiled from that. And I mean, he's a producer of the film as well. He wrote the screenplay, he produced it, but he was on the set all the time taking direction or or giving direction to the actors. And he, yeah, he basically like took over the editing process and then actually sought a co-director credit. Oh, really? Which he, yeah, which was very unusual because he's never directed a film before and he didn't direct any of the filming and he's never directed any filming on any film before. Well, let me ask this. I saw a couple articles that were referencing... You know, they they had phrases like uh, Travis lost control of the production. So, yeah, but what you're yeah. it sounds like what you're saying, though, is that Alex Garland was more doing the the he took over post production or he actually took over mid filming. Yeah. No, no, no. He he did not. As far as I know, he did not take over any of the actual filming and that Garland or sorry, uh, Travis was involved uh, on a, a day to day basis. But as far as the editing process goes, no. And. Like I said, he was giving direction to actors, specifically like Carl Urban would go to him and, you know, get notes on how he should portray his character. How can I make my voice Um, deeper? (laughs) But ultimately, because it was very unusual for someone who'd never directed before to actually get a directing credit, they sort of, uh, I guess, came to an agreement. And uh, they later claimed that they had agreed on some sort of like unorthodox collaboration prior to the production of the film. Hmm. Yeah, so Travis a- got the credit, but Garland was heavily involved. Yeah, it's an interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize any of that until we watched it, and I started doing the research on it. Uh, yeah, me either. Yeah. It's very unusual. So maybe just to do the, kind of the high level setup. So uh, the film was definitely not a financial success. So it, in for 2012, it came in at number 137 on the box office. Behind Hit and Run and in front of Silent House, two movies that I have am totally unfamiliar with. I think Hit and Run might be that, I think it might be like a Dax Shepard movie or something. Uh, The the movie itself has a reported budget. I've seen estimates of 35 to 45 million dollars, so I don't know what the final true budget was, but I think it's 45 to 50. Oh, 45 to 50. And total global box office was only 41 million. So for a while, this movie definitely had a reputation as a bomb. Um, it does maintain a 7.1 rating on the IMDb, so it's it's pretty highly regarded. And uh, I think over t- over time, since its release, it definitely has a little bit of a cult status that it's taken on. And I think that you know there are fans out there that are advocating for you know Urban to come back and do the character again. However, Alex Garland himself says that he would not make another Dread movie because the process was too painful. Painful. That's two points below uh, Natural Born Killers at 7.3. So equally highly regarded. Uh, actually, no, speaking of that, so Colin, <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you so much for p- making this your pick because it was just a nice, fun, enjoyable tonic <laughs> after having to watch Natural Born Killers. Um, I actually, I had a great time with this movie. I, you know, I had already seen this movie. I'm a huge fan of this movie. Um, there's a lot that I like here. Um, but I'm curious, Colin, why, why did you pick this particular movie? Good question. Um, well, I had seen it as well. I think I saw it around 2014. And when I did see it, it was sort of on a lark because uh, all I could think about was the original Judge Dread, which I hated. And so I, I just was like, oh, it's on. Uh, I'll watch it. And I didn't even realize, oh, Carl Urban. Well, I happen to love Carl Urban. And oh, hey, look, there's Olivia Thurlby. Like her too. Is that Lena Headey? <laughs> this is great. And it just kept, I was like captivated. It was so well made. And it was just like nonstop, good action, really, really good. And then I just sort of forgot about it after a while because you never really hear about it, right? Because it was a bomb and it's sort of like a cult film, but I don't know, it just like never really comes up. And then, um, I don't know, we were doing a podcast and somehow tangentially I, I remembered it 
And then it, it came on Hulu and I was like, yes, I'm totally going to watch that. I want to watch that right now. But I thought, oh, maybe I'll save it for a pick. Well, it was an excellent choice. Um, I did pull two quotes that I think are good examples of kind of a summary for this movie. Maybe, Marcus, you can hit us with a, an actual plot summary at some point uh, down the road here. But if you, so, if you pull uh, the Mark quotes, sa- <laughs> well, why didn't no, you this, share this, them? No, these, sorry, <laughs> these are the, well, I am pulling the quotes, dumbass. <laughs> these are critic quotes. So the first one is from Mark Savlov from the Austin Chronicle. And he says, I may have never seen a non-horror film as relentlessly, brutally, and crowd-pleasingly violent as this skin-tight adaptation of the long-running British comic book character. Um, So that's, I think, yes, the violence in this movie is way over the top, uh, but to a good effect, I think. Um, And then James Crute from Stuff Magazine said, Among all the pyrotechnics and bullet-filled mayhem, Urban is a striking presence, seemingly all business, but still managing to generate more emotion and pathos within a helmet than Stallone did without. So I don't know. So maybe I, I did not see the Stallone version of Judge Dredd. I only saw that stupid moment where I am the law. So Colin, I, you actually you just watched this, right? So just like, you want me to cue up that that wonderful I am the law? I am the law. Why? Why did you 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 actually went back and watched the Stallone version as well? To be honest, I only got forty five minutes into it. <laughs> okay, so. but I, I have some thoughts. I think this sort of sums it up. Gianni Versace designed Stallone's Judge Dredd costume. It's ridiculous. It's it's borderline campy. There there is a, just a huge juxtaposition between Dredd and the '95 Judge Dredd. Just go and like watch the first twelve minutes of Judge Dredd. After this, um, I've never rolled my eyes so much. Sort of just the the setup in Mega City One, and there's like a like a, a street riot going on, and. Um, Dread rolls up on his uh, motorcycle, parks it, walks out, looks up, and and that his literal first line is, "I am the law." <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You could take your stolen impression on the road, dude. Anyway, it's really it's really just bad. These two films are so so different. So in Judge Dread, like all the judges, they're not intimidating at all. Stallone, he actually walks around like RoboCop. Like his his movements are just like RoboCop. The the movie itself is sort of like a mashup of Demolition Man and Tango and Cash. <laughs> when you look at these two films together, you're like, okay, Dread did like everything right, and Judge Dread did everything wrong. I think actually Judge Dread, the Stallone version, probably ended up fucking this movie. Yeah, don't you think? Absolutely, I- absolutely. Which is one of the reasons why I never watched it. Right. I think. I think the box office is, you know, that's the proof right there. I think people went like, Dread? Are you kidding me? All they could think about was Stallone. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm wondering how many people, that? how many casual fans out there saw Dread and assumed that it was a, a sequel or a follow-up and somehow Stallone was involved or they had, you know, previous experience with the Stallone version and said, no thanks, I don't need another, <laughs> another helping of that. I think probably 90% of the people out there. Yeah. I mean, because I, here's the thing. I actually think this is a, really really well made movie and i think it's a it's a for for being an action movie and for the universe that it's trying to create and the sort of the scope of the film i think it's extremely well executed and i i really like this movie i think that a lot of people just probably completely walked past it and that was that it, i mean it's hard not to just having that bad taste in your mouth I, like i like i said when i watched it that was my experience and i was like whoa wait a minute this is not what i was expecting this is really really good it's very well made it is nothing like the original absolutely nothing like i mean they they sort of made 
an effort to say this is not a sequel uh, or even a remake. This is like more of a, I guess, like their reimagining of it. And apparently it is not exactly like the comics either. I mean, they had to sacrifice a lot of things from the comics just because, you know, there were just way too much in terms of budget. And there's also just like all of the sort of like the comic lore about the world that they live in. And it would have been way too confusing for the viewer of the movie to like get all of that and have a coherent film. And so they just, they went sort of, what is it like the, the day in the life sort of storyline, right? What happens on one day in the life of judge dread. Right. Yeah. I I do think the exposition is interesting and and the world building is interesting. They don't go too deep in it though. Right. And I'm thankful for that because it would have been overwhelming. Um, so they took a character and they took some elements from the comic and that world and they created a really great film, just a, a really great two hour film. Well, hour and a half. So what about the, I mean, the character of the comics? I mean, I, I had no, I never, you know, crossed paths with this character when I was growing up and I, I know it's obviously, so the, I think it was created in the, was, I guess it's uh, early seventies originally and Judge Dredd as a character in the comics was apparently based on uh harry callahan so dirty harry was the was the blueprint for this character and so that's really funny that you say that because last night i was just thinking like he's sort of like dirty harry yeah so so dirty harry and then the other thing that i think is funny the very first time i saw judge dread I, I remember seeing an image and what i thought of was i'm like that looks super familiar and then what i thought of was it looks like frankenstein from death race 2000 oh yeah and apparently and, and apparently the character, like the actual outfit, including the helmet, was influenced by Death Race 2000, by the Frankenstein character. That's funny. And who played Frankenstein? Uh, David Carradine. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who was who that? <laughs> Never mind. For some reason, no, I, I'm, not a big, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of that movie. You're thinking, well, of, you're thinking of Machine Gun, Machine Gun Joe Viterbo. Exactly. Yeah. He's loved by thousands, but hated by millions. Machine Gun Joe just scored his own pit crew. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny though. I mean, I I saw that and I, I always do, thought, oh, that's that just some movie. sort of like I'm like that's just some sort of a coincidence, right? Nope, actually, it's true. That's um, funny. And the, I guess the three creators were John Wagner, Pat Mills, and Carlos Esguera. So, and they they set the comic so that it was in the year 2099. And the I guess the the brief setup is that there were some nuclear wars at some point, and what's left on Earth are these mega cities, and so. There are 800 million people that live in one of these cities, and each of these individual structures, these uh, mega blocks, have 50,000 residents. So that's kind of the the world building that it does. Hey, Mark, just want just want to confirm you did watch this one, right? I did. It's a good one. Okay. You guys are laying on a lot of praise. I don't know if it's that great of a movie. It's it definitely enjoyable. It's a fun action movie. It's like a uh, a futuristic buddy cop horror movie with a a big heavy dose of diehard being trapped in a building. So it's got a lot of things going on. And I think it all mostly works. But I wouldn't say like, it doesn't make one of my like top 238 films, but it's it's enjoyable film for sure. One thing I love about this movie is that it proves to be a training ground for two characters based on these actors. So, you know, Carl Urban, right? He plays Billy Butcher in The Boys and, you know, just love Carl Urban overall. But judge, there's a lot of crossover between Dread and Butcher in terms of their approach to things. Um, and same things with same thing with uh, Lena. How do you pronounce her name, Colin? Sorry, Lena Heady. Heady. Uh, was it? Heady. Heady. So Lena Heady. Uh, she actually obviously goes on to become Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. And I would say that Mama in this movie uh, is definitely a good training ground for Cersei Lannister in terms of being a bitch. I mean, yeah. To me, it's it's really funny because I'm just like, oh, Lena Heady in this is Cersei Lannister on crack. 
let's talk cast for a second and maybe we can start with her uh she's she's great in this movie and this is an example on you know i hate to bring the snyder cut back into this but i will <laughs> so you know one of the problems with the snyder cut is that you have just sort of this you know the villain is not that great right uh in this movie you have a pretty compelling villain right she's you know she's pretty driven determined she's absolutely ruthless she's like one of the most ruthless action movie villains that you've seen in a long time just does not care and the whole idea that violence is a tool that she uses a very effectively in this movie um, yeah, I, I don't know she's, she's pretty crazy in this yeah because you you know you made the analogy to uh to die hard and uh, i had read that you know before watching this again and i thought oh that's really interesting yeah that's a good point so when i when i saw lena Headey in this as mama i was like oh my god yeah she's, she's like hans uh, gruber She's like Hans Gruber, like a psychotic Hans Gruber. <laughs> a little, little bit more, uh, less, yeah, less polished than Hans Gruber. But then again, this, well, this, yes, this, this, yes, inti- this so entire that- environment's a little bit less polished. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. It is a post-apocalyptic world, after all. Yeah, no, I think she's she's great in this. She's very commanding presence in the movie as a villain. Uh, you you buy that she would actually be running the show, and she's got a wicked scar on her Help face. Me. Yeah, well, she got cut up. That that's you know that's they give her her they, that's part of her origin story. Uh, how about we can switch to Carl Urban? So I, I, I love Carl Urban. Carl Urban is just, he's one of my favorite actors right now. I pretty much love everything he does. I love his bones in Star Trek. I love his Billy Butcher in The Boys. Um, and I love that he's able to actually pull off some genuine charisma and a pretty interesting characterization of Dread without ever taking off his helmet. You know, his, his chin and his mouth, which I mean, and, and his mouth is rarely dramatically emotive uh, but somehow he manages to do it so you know props to him when it comes to like his physical presence and his approach to the character i just think he nails it uh he's got a, a significant chin he does a great job with it <laughs> that's <is> for sure <laughs> i think bruce campbell should look out i'm sur- i'm surprised that you <laughs> i think i don't think bruce campbell has any words yeah. um i'm surprised you didn't mention aomer horse lord of rohan it's funny because i don't actually associate him that much with lord of the rings yeah i had to, really? I had to look it up too because i'm like i saw his like looking at his uh imdb listing i'm like he was in lord of the rings do not remember that at all yeah so i'm with you dave like i love carl urban my man crush on carl urban began with the lord of the rings hmm. Hmm. it started yeah, early uh, it started early and it continued it i do love carl no, his He's bones great. character is what uh he won me over with bones is yeah oh my god yeah. i love his bones his bones is actually just phenomenal i mean and the thing is like wanna, that's why do you I want love to jump those, his bone <laughs> actually i really i really like those new star trek movies oh they're great because i love chris pine is like one of my favorite yeah, yeah i just one I mean, of my favorite so, actors like start with chris pine carl urban just go down the yeah. list of every like john cho every single one of those guys in the movie i just am a fan of the, so great. the it's, casting it's, in that movie was just dead on it's fantastic they couldn't have done any better yeah um, how about uh, Olivia Trilby? Love her. I'm a big fan. W- what else? Because I, I remember her. Chappaquiddick is what came to mind when I, in terms of something I had seen her in recently. But um, what else do you associate her with? Well, first and foremost, she plays Juno's best friend in uh, Juno. Oh, okay. And, and and that's a movie that Emily and I love. I've seen a million times. And honestly, I, I don't get enough Olivia Thirlby. Uh, I think she was in Goliath season one, and she was quite good in that. But I just don't see enough of her. But I was I was really delighted to see that she was in this, and she she's great. Well, and she has a lot to do in this movie in terms of the you know her character, which she has to carry, right? Because you see her, she actually doesn't have a helmet, so she's doing a lot of the lifting in terms of the you know emotion and you know and and the other thing is she has a, her character obviously has an arc going from this rookie to 
everything that she experiences. And so you get to see her kind of, you know, roll with that in terms of her performance change along the way. And I think she does a really good job with it. I think it's a, she's, it's very, she's very compelling as a character and you're, you're actively interested in what's going to happen to her. And, you know, since this is her first, this is her, she, she has a, she has a rough trial run because she's going through an assessment period in this. This is like the worst <laughs> trial run ever. Yeah. yeah. No, she does a really great job with it. And she's like very, very believable in how she, she goes through it. Great, great role. Yeah. And she, and, and she did, she sort of had to take, her character had to take on the role of the character arc, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason is that Dread himself, it does not have any sort of character arc. Like he is, he maintains the same thing all the way through, except for like, and, and Garland said this himself, except for like at the very end, a little bit of a shift because I believe uh, he gave her a pass at the end, right? When you don't have to just believe it. He did give her a pass. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. No, no, no. I believe that that was the character shift. Yeah. It was very, very small. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's one other Not point where he shifts in his character. No. Well, and purposely, point? right? Yeah. And purposely. Yeah. 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 Because he, he doesn't. Apparently, in the comics, he does not. Yeah, there, mean, there's one other moment, though, where she lets the guy go, the guy that had his eyes gouged out by Mama, and yeah. then had them replaced with the um, whatever cybernetic eyes. When she lets him go, you know, and she she kind of turns, and she turns on Dredd, and she sort of, you know, says, this is this is why I'm doing it. This is the situation. And you kind of see Dredd say, hmm. There's, you kind of, his physical mannerism in that, that's the one time where it's a little bit different, because he's kind of like, okay. It's almost like a, he, there's a moment of respect that's earned. I think I it's because she's. Stand- I don't think it's because of the action, but just the fact that she's standing up for her conviction, right? Not necessarily yeah. because she let him go, but just because saying like, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. Deal with it." But yeah, it's it's, yeah, but it's that- also like he acknowledges that you no, know, that's not a decision he would have made, but he supports her in that, right? But she also like she has the growth when she's um, when she shoots at uh, one guy, right? She she stops. She's kind of the conscious of the movie, right? She's kind of stops and thinks about like, okay, this guy. Um, should I kill him or not? And she ends up killing him, right? Yep. Right. That's and then it. it comes back to sort of haunt her a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. so that she has a lot more going on with her character. And the fact that she's a psychic and she's able to like, you know, see into people is definitely quite a, quite interesting. So one last person from the cast that I would mention is Wood Harris. So he plays Kay. He's the, he's the guy that they're bringing along as their kind of a hostage prisoner for a chunk of the movie. Uh, Avon fucking Barksdale. He's he's really good in this movie. Yeah. I think he's he's really good. I actually I like him as an actor. He's recognizable in a lot of stuff. Probably the one of the things I think about is he is he's in Ant Man, so he is one of the cops in Ant Man. So the wire. That's it's just it starts and ends on, with Dave. the wire. Jesus Christ! Sorry, I haven't seen. I've only seen the first season of the wire, and it's been a long time. So what? Just, well, he's a major character oh as the first God. season. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't seen it over a decade. So it's on my it's on my list to go back and finish watching. Rewatch it. I've seen uh, the first five seasons three times. So yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah, he's really good in this as well, especially in the scenes where he's interacting, you know, with Anderson, yeah, Judge Anderson. Um, they've got some good scenes together. That that's that's actually one of the more interesting, you know, character arcs within the movie, or kind of a I guess a relationship, right? Is kind of the duel between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and when she ends up at one point just completely just <laughs> destroying him mentally when he's sitting there and he wets his pants. Like, that's a good moment, right? Yeah, because yeah. That was really good. Because he's trying, to, he's trying to mess with her. He's trying to send all these negative images into her head. And then she just basically takes him apart, which is pretty cool. It's a good moment. All right. Well, anything you guys want to talk about prior to starting to jump into it and go through it? Yeah, you're missing one person from the cast that I wanted to call out. Okay. Who? Even though he was mentioned before, and that's the techie. Do you guys know who that is? 
Don't. He's kind, kind of familiar, but he's like, yeah. I kind of recognized him, but I'm not sure who that was. It's an early role for Domhnall Gleeson. Nope. Name ring about? Yeah. Right. No, I totally recognize the name. Um, but I'm trying to think. Where, well, what here's I, what I'll tell you that where you probably remember him from. He's General Hux in the new Star Wars films. Nope. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He also happens to be the son of Brendan Gleeson, the actor. He's been in Ex Machina. You guys like Black Mirror? Nope. No. Oh, yeah. Only seen. Never watched, I've only seen one episode. Jesus Christ. Well, no wonder you don't recognize him. He also happens to look very different in this with the long hair and the the cybernetic eye implant. Yeah, the hexagon eyes. Yeah, those are those are creepy looking. Pretty cool. All right. Anyway, I'm a fan. I, I like him a lot. All right, Marcus, you want to kick us off with a quick high level plot summary? In a violent futuristic city, where the police have the authority to act as judge, jury, and executioner, a cop teams up with a trainee to take down a gang that deals with the reality altering Doug. Slow mo. Uh, I don't know if you pay attention to that. We're in the future. We talked about it earlier. You got a city that spans Boston to Charlotte. There's a couple of different uh, takes. Oh, no, it's Boston to Washington, D.C. Boston to Washington, D.C. The comic book went from Boston to Florida, but then there was a big war, and they lost half the, the South got. 400 million people in the South got annihilated. And then it was Boston to Charlotte, I believe. The movie kind of opens the same way, just in terms of the the high level overview of that. Yeah. You don't. I there's really it. no back. There's no backstory given to like the nation states or how many people are. You know how many countries are left in the world or any of that stuff. It's just it's a very kind of uh, enclosed. Yeah, and uh, it throws you in that, like the whole city is like walled off because the it's like a radiated wasteland outside the city. Um, seems kind of weird though, just like the city's one huge massive city. Like I don't know. It just seems like. Is that really a city? <laughs> like you're spanning like 500 miles. Is that one city really? But um, I, I I do think the because expo- then it also cuts to you see this is the introduction of Carl Urban as a judge, and so he's he's pursuing a couple of suspects. Yeah, I like the opening the uh, the Vanagon chase. They were chase. He's chasing him down in, in a a couple of druggies driving a Vanagon, and um, you kind of know the tone of the movie. There's like a pedestrian. So it's like a pretty generic, not generic, but like it's a, a cop chasing down a, a car. Um, and you're like going through the city. And then you see a pedestrian starting to cross the street. And you're like, okay, he's going to jump out of the way. The the van's going to swerve and, you know, maybe I'll save him. Who knows what's going to You can kind of see it being set up. And then uh, the van again just hits the guy dead on, yeah. brain splatters against the window, and you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be that movie. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so you know what's what's super funny about that is I'm looking at my notes right now, and I actually have, I have opening chase, innocent vil- civilian, jump out of the way, question mark, and then I have in all caps, nope. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly, like, that was the moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this movie's pretty violent. Yeah, so that that's definitely, like, they set the tone really early on with that, too. And it's it's hard to classify the movie like it's it has a lot going on. I think I mentioned earlier it is a. I mean, you get the buddy cop movie with the like the trainee and the 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 grizzled veteran has to bring them on. You kind of get the diehard with the like they get it trapped inside of a building and they're being hunted down, which is kind of a cool. I like that premise a lot. And then, but you also have the sci-fi the nature, and you also have like this uh, this kind of horror nature to it because with the uh, I mean, it's not like super gory. But it's there's a lot of like it's it's definitely violent and there's there's you, you, you it, do see you you do see a, a head and a face come apart in slow motion at uh, one point at the end of the movie yeah, so yeah. 
The, yeah. the, and then they, they skin three guys and throw them <laughs> off the okay. know, 75th floor of the building. One guy gets an auto, a full smack. clip of an automatic weapon like put up through his mouth like, and then like, yeah. paints the wall with his brain. So I, I'd say it's pretty violent. Uh, this is this is pretty high on the Colin Boyd wussy gore scale or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's pretty high. I just edited our Evil Dead podcast, so that one gets a ten. This one's probably like a seven, six or seven. Yeah, that, no, that's true. I guess as as an action movie, yeah, um, that's for action movie point. violence on yeah, the action movie scale, this is this is one of the most violent action movies I've, I've seen. Yeah. So it's like really hard to classify it into one of these, like right, because you have this futuristic Blade Runner type um, world, but you don't get that sort of violence. You get all these different things it's very successful the way they put it all together so i think it it works really well so it sounds like mixing all these things together wouldn't work but they did a great job with it i think the other thing that's interesting is it uses that opening chase to kind of give you uh, a sense of the judges like there was their responsibility and what, what what they can and can't do because during the chase the when the guy fires the gun at dread he then says you know that that switches like now it's attempted murder is like i'm going to move to execution mode right yeah. so he goes like straight to he's going to kill the guys and then there, while it's not satirical, there are some little, there are little moments and elements of dark humor that go through this thing. So, so Dredd ends up pursuing this guy into a mall and he, and he shoots him after this guy's killed a couple of people and there's just bodies that are laying on the ground. And then you see this automatic cleaner come out and start cleaning the ground and you hear, <laughs> you hear like the, the PA system say, uh, the, the food court will be open in 30 minutes. <laughs> like after there's like, <laughs> oh, I missed that. That's yeah, after there's like three dead bodies on the ground and it's just like cleaning up the blood. Yeah, I so. had it, I had in my notes automated blood zamboni. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the blood zamboni. I like that. Uh, yeah. So then, it, uh, so it does switch to so dread. He's back but, in the well, hall of justice, it. and he's before that. Yeah. Um, just following up, we get what I think is cool kill number one in this film. It's the hot shot. Oh ah, yeah, no, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. So yeah. So he does. It, so so the that other gun thing is that, pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say, so So this is another example of where there's some exposition, the fact that the weapons that the judges carry can be configured to do different things. So armor-piercing, uh, incendiary, and so it, it ends up firing uh, an incendiary uh, shot right into this guy's mouth, and then his head basically melts. So I don't, th- I don't think the visuals on that scene, I, that was not the best uh, scene in the movie, I didn't think. I thought the No, I thought no, the, I thought no but the it, face, was, it was pretty inventive. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, it was inventive, but I thought the face morphing piece, was that was not the strongest part. I I actually flagged that as like, eh, that's one of the visuals that I think didn't work. So you're saying it's not a cool kill? It was a cool kill, but I'm not no, sure. No, it was a cool it, kill. It, it, it was effective because if a guy, he had a hostage. I don't know. Why would he just release a hostage because something got shot in his mouth and is going to kill him? But it's fine. It's like, I think if you get that in your mouth, all you're thinking about is, holy shit, like, what's going yeah. on in my head? Why didn't he spit it out? I don't know. It's like flaming magnesium in your mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> his head's about to explode. Well, then back at the Hall of Justice, so this is where you see Dredd, and Dredd is is basically being given the task of assessing a new potential judge candidate. And so that's Anderson, and what you discover is that she is a mutant, uh, not something they go into throughout the rest of the movie, but just that she has the ability to do, uh, she can sense thoughts and extract information. And they, they at one point somebody references that there are other mutants, but she's the only one that you see in the movie, so it's not like it's a real part of it, other than to give her the ability to have the power to read people. Yeah. Um, I do like the scene when they're walking out because, okay, it's going to be their first training run. And Dredd is giving her this run of like all the stuff that she's going to do that this is going to, she's going to fail. It's like, you lose your weapon, you fail. You do this, you fail. At all times. 
The rookie judge on assessment is likely to be involved in armed combat. One five don't survive the first day. You may be required to carry out on-the-spot executions of convicted felons. Yes, sir. Incorrect sentencing is an automatic fail. Disobeying a direct order from your assessment officer is an automatic fail. Losing your primary weapon or having it taken from you is an automatic fail. Yes, sir. You ready, rookie? I am. Your assessment starts now. It's, uh, it sets it up to be a very... Well, cause, and, what, and what they say is that... You lose your primary weapon, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's the, hey, that's a, that's a good Escape from New York reference. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you touch me, he dies. If you're not in the air in 30 seconds, he dies. If you come back in, he dies. The, um, he also has like the uh, one in five judges die on their first day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not sure I'm taking that job. <laughs> it must pay well. Good, good benefits. I don't know. Well, maybe you just don't have to live in a total shithole. Maybe that's the, maybe that's all you need to do to uh, encourage people to become judges. That well, is- I think it's instead of being like, basically everyone else is a victim or a potential victim. You at least have a gun. Right. So. <laughs> Although uh, guns are everywhere in this movie. So uh, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm kind of curious what the firearms ordinances are for. What's this place called again? Mega City One? Mega City Mega One. C- yeah, apparently uh, miniguns are also easy to get. Three for a dollar. You get- <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we well, can get we'll to talk that, about this. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, and then so after that, so a- after they you know hit the street and they're doing their, they're starting their training run, at the same time, Mama, who is the villain that runs Peachtree Towers, you know, so she's a, she's a, a drug lord. They do a little bit of quick uh, exposition to tell her story. She's a former prostitute, got her face uh, slashed, and then took over this guy's business. And so they, so you see a scene where there are three people that are captured. So she has three hostages, and what they she actually says to skin these guys and throw them off the roof of this building, and then they end up splatting into the ground. Um, and when the, by the way, when the judges <laughs> when the judges show up to look at the bodies. <laughs> Someone did some good prosthetics work on the. Uh, there's a good collection of brains on the ground. Yeah. So. I had, I had yeah. great body drops. Like it, yeah. really effective. They because the uh, the scene is like uh, I think it's a food court, right? And the uh, there's some other like there's people in the mall, just like a lady walking her baby on a stroller, and you see the bodies coming in. It's just a very. It's not a huge splatter either. It just seemed like a more. Uh, it, it was much more of a splatter than you would normally get in a movie. No, but it wasn't like a. Uh, dissolving it was like a no it was like a thud and you see like the like it seemed very very but there's definitely some some serious compression going on (laughs) and it is it is yuck yeah (laughs) that's all i have to say oh it's and and it's not just one it's three yeah well and the other thing that very good thumps like yeah yeah yeah, the sound design is good the other thing that this sets up is you see when you first see mama she's doing the she's sitting in the bathtub and she's pulling her hand up and colin referenced this earlier but this is where you see the first slow-mo effect. So it's, a, it's an effect that kicks in multiple times over the course of the movie and is actually used to really good effect because it's just really cool to see things moving really slow and there's a, you know, a sparkle to them. Uh, and, and it looks like it's awesome. I mean, like with all the colors and... I mean, it really does. Like they Colin wants they it. captured that really well. Colin wants to Colin do wants some slow-mo. No, I don't want to do slow <laughs> No, I don't want to do some slow-mo. The, um, yeah, and also the, the drug. Um, I didn't quite understand the drug because it, it seemed... The storyline, it t- says like time passes at 1% speed. And so they actually, these guys who got thrown off the building got were given slow-mo beforehand. So yeah. then they're dropping whatever it is, 200 stories. And so that would feel like, you know, 
quite a you know a hundred times as as long falling to your death. Yeah. So let me ask you a question on that one. Is but can it, they is move? It... Like, how does their brain like? But they can't move at one percent speed because then they come in. That was my question about the drug, right? Well, their perception is that they're moving at one percent speed, but they're not because like dread comes in and the guys are all like uh, high, but he's able to wipe them all out. But if you think you would be able to see him moving slowly, or is it just a yeah, yeah, because no, you see the bullet loot, you see the bullet move slowly. I mean, from their perspective, it, yeah. I, I think what Marx's question is, and I actually had the same question, right? Which is, if you could, would they are be like on this, yeah, if, if you're on this drug, it's like, do you have the ability to? Because you can evaluate the entire situation, no, and you no, can't, you no, can't no, move no, your no. arm faster, but it would give you time to get your arm into the right position to fire no, a it shot. Wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Why? No, 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 no. Because everything that you perceive is in slow motion, and so yeah. no, wait, wait. no, I don't understand. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for you to finish that point. <laughs> <laughs> like he's moving in slow motion, but that would be good then, right? Because he'd say, "Oh, like Judge Dredd's busting in the door." And you're like, yeah. The, the, the question, I, but is, I don't think he'd have the ability. I can move out of the way to, to then plan out and say, like, I'm going to move out of the way. This bullet. You don't have the. Uh, you don't have the actual physical ability to move out of the way of a bullet because the bullet's coming at you and you're trying to move, but you're moving at your normal speed, but you're perceived at a super slow speed, but that bullet moves a lot faster than you do. it. So it's coming and you're like, I'm trying. But I, I think what Marx is, no. what Marx is saying is, uh, is, is the, the question is, I think could you, could you like... have your, if you took slow-mo, could you make your movements the most effective possible? Right? No. So, so that's, so if, yeah. if you know a bullet's coming towards you and it's happening in real time, obviously you're just like, you're okay, you're getting shot or whatever. If it's coming towards you and you see it slowly, you know, can you slowly, do you have the ability to just slowly try to adjust your body to get out of the way? That's the question. No. Yeah. As soon as no. he kicks open the door, you see like, okay, the door is getting kicked open. No, because your, your thought I'm processes are out also here. moving at like, well, like, you know, one one hundredth. So you're not thinking like, oh, how can I plan this out so I can like get out of the way of this bullet? You're like, yeah, I think it's like the, it's, the, it's the equivalent of uh, like 1,000 simultaneous bong hits, right? In terms of uh, yeah. slowing yeah. you down. Like, this is not something that's going to help you in a fight. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that was the only my only aspect, like, because it seems like if it's comp it's drawing time out, it seems like you should be able to react a little bit more, but maybe maybe not. Yeah. Um, so the the judges do show up at Peach Trees. Mega Tower. What the fuck is this thing called again? Sorry. Block. block. The block. block. So then Dredd is asking her, you know, what, what should we do? And so they, they basically get some information that there's this one location where drug dealers are operating. And so they go up and, and this is where the slow-mo is being used again to really cool effect. So there, yeah. there are two guys in there, you know, a couple of people that, are, that have taken the drug. And then you see Dredd bust through the door. And there are these pretty cool, you know, slow motion shots of bullets kind of ripping through people. Uh, and it's just done. The visuals on it are it's, it's, it's brutal, brutal but the visuals are actually really cool so you know yeah you, but it's really really cool especially yeah. like you see the concussion from the explosive device and that's like you know rippling skin and and pushing it inward and then yeah you see like a bullet tear through a face it's really well done i think uh yeah. alex garland said they they were wondering you know, could they do something where they could show you know, an act of violence in such a way that it actually looked beautiful where you're like noting like, mm -hmm. oh, how, look at how the skin moves and how the blood sort of droplets sort of spray <laughs> away. He said, he literally <laughs> said like he, he uses as an example, those super slow-mo shots when you see like a, a great white shark reaching the water and, you know, eating a seal. 
and you're sort of thinking like, here, this is this. No, seriously, there's here's this extreme act of violence that's going on in front of you, and yet you're so captivated by like how the water just sort of like rolls off of the nose of the shark, and like how, and how it's all shimmery, and 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 I was like, yeah, I guess that's sort of like that. But then they're also thinking, are we gonna like make it too aesthetically beautiful, and is that a good thing? And so they were they were struggling with that a little bit. I, I think my favorite, the, my favorite element of that visualization is the is the guy's uh, abdomen being compressed by the force of the explosion that's just it's just really i was kind of wondering how they did like i was assuming that maybe somebody had like a super leaf blower off to the side and they just cranked it up on him when they and they you know (laughs) you're not far off really they they they, yeah they used um like air guns yeah uh in order to create that effect yeah anyways that's that's a that's a pretty cool story and this is where a pretty cool story that's a pretty cool moment and they uh they take k hostage not, they don't take him hostage. He's a he's a prisoner at that point. But he works for Mama, and they're trying to they're going to take him out of the building. Yeah, they're going to take him downtown and yeah. interrogate him. And it's kind of they know if Mama finds out if they interrogate him, he'll he'll give up all the yeah. info. So then their solution to that is to basically take over the control tower, and they lock down the entire building. So they put the equivalent of you know blast shields around it because it's a it's it's set up to uh, you know how they would protect it during if if a war was occurring again. And so it's war protocol with the blast shields down. I can't even see. <laughs> it, <laughs> Use the full. I love. Uh, I love when they put the blast shields down, and it's like, please, all of this automated voice. Please stand clear of the doors. And then two seconds oh, later, man. it's like, boom. <laughs> it's like crunch. Well, they 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 uh, yeah, killed just, that just homeless some, guy. Just some poor homeless like, dude sitting there, and he just gets absolutely squished. It's like it's like. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, yeah, what was that what? announcement? Crunch. <laughs> It's like two seconds yeah. later. He chose a poor place to uh, sit. Well, but. There wasn't a war going on. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. But yeah, perhaps yeah. a little more notice. One aspect of that, that I because th- I, I, I noted that too. Like I'm like, okay, this poor guy, why would he choose to sit in the spot where this door comes down? But everyone seemed kind of surprised by the doors and the kind of the war protocol. So I don't think it was used. No, it's supposed frequently. to be used in the case of there was a, like a nuclear blast. So yeah. no. So I think most people didn't know about it. Yes. No. I. Uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't be sitting there. And also, yeah. again, in a civilized society, if the the if the blast shields were going to come down, like they'd give you like a little more notice than two seconds. At least at least ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the premise. Of, uh, the fact that they lock in the two judges, Dredd and uh, Anderson, into the building, and then the building's uh, seventy five thousand people or something. And then uh, Mama comes on and has her, like, Mel Gibson ransom notice (laughs) moment. Peach trees. This is Mama. Somewhere in this block are two judges. I want him dead. Until I get what I want, the block is locked down. Super I, I, effective. I love like the del- the way that she delivers that dialogue is very calm and very like you know yeah. okay just you need to hunt these people down and basically tell them that there's two the, judges in yeah. here and kill them. It's that, yeah, it's great. And that like, the story from there, you're like you're like totally bought in. Then okay, these two judges have to survive and figure out how to either like open this place up or get Mama or whatever it's going to be. And it's just uh, really this is the Nakatomi Plaza lockdown moment. That's what that's it what to- this is. It totally is exactly. Now just think about if. If, if you're uh, John McClane and it's you against like now it's like like hundreds if not thousands of terrorists right and but you've got a, a sidekick what's cooler about being hunted than having a sidekick who has 
psychic abilities. Yeah. I think that's it's really cool. Yeah. It adds a, a new layer to this type of you know storyline, right? Oh well, she she saves his ass yeah. multiple times because of yeah. her psychic abilities. I, and I kept wondering, right where they're about to breach the door into the, the drug dealer's apartment, at that very moment, I'm like, why doesn't Anderson have a helmet? And they immediately, like, answered my question, which was kind of cool. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, you know. They did expect uh, What she said, like. Uh, Sir, a helmet can interfere with my psychic abilities. I think a bullet might interfere with some more. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's a good I one. Yeah, Dread, Dread has some good dialogue throughout, the, just, just little lines here and there. And they're not, what's nice is they're not delivered as quips. They're delivered as sort of uh, exhausted sarcasm. <laughs> so the, the other one that I like is where they're, they're actually walking into peach trees and he's asking her, you know, why do you want to be a judge? And she's saying, because I want to, you know, I, I want to go out there and make a difference and help protect society. And then he kind of pauses and he says, make a difference. Admirable. <laughs> so <laughs> he's that, just, he's, that, he's seen it all. He's burned out. He's a super cynical you know, kind of robotic uh, killing machine at this point. So, but yeah, yeah. the other one uh, I, I liked is um, after they arrested Kay, she goes, Sir, he's thinking about making a move for your gun. Yeah. He just changed his mind. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, well, the other thing I'd, I would highlight here is we just talked about falling down and how falling down is basically like a video game power up. You know, in terms of you know Michael Douglas walking along, getting new weapons. Right. Yeah. There's a little bit of a yeah. video game structure for this because basically they have to fight their way to the top of the tower, right? So that's it's kind of like you know they're working their way up and they're finding different ways to do it. So it's a very it's a very linear, you know, kind of specific focus for the film, but and it kind of sets the parameters and it's just very you know it, it does have there's a little bit of that video game element to it here. Uh, so the other thing that I think is good here is um, so or, so so after they get trapped. And so that then they begin working their way up. You you kind of see that you get to see the resourcefulness of just how Dread is approaching things, which is just you know he's, he's got control of the situation almost every time. And there's one fun scene where there's a group of, of members, I think like ten guys out there with guns, and he's standing behind a wall. I will say this has to be a direct call call to RoboCop, don't you think? Because he actually says you have 20 seconds to comply. There's no way that there's no yeah. way that's in there without in it being an intentional callback to RoboCop. Do you guys agree with that? Completely. Probably. No, it has to. Like, the exact phrasing is is there. I um, I like that he never lost his... And this is the difference between uh, uh, Dredd and John McClane. It's like he never loses control. He never feels like even... Even after he gets shot at one point, he's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah there's no, never, there's no sense of panic whatsoever. Yeah, whatsoever. Definitely not John yeah, McClane, like, you know. Which is yeah. what I love about John McClane. But this guy yeah. is, yeah, he's 100% in control all the time. And, and there is one small story beat here, you know, as they're progressing along. So there's a, a scene where it's actually after those guys. So they, you know, they use a stun grenade, then they attack the guys that, you know, that, that were there for the 20 seconds to comply. And then there's one prisoner who's shot and wounded, but still alive. And, and Dread makes Anderson basically just execute the guy in cold blood. And you see her waver for a second, and then she does it. And then a, a few seconds later, of course, they go to the one apartment that they're in there because they, they kind of have to, they're hiding for a second from people that are coming down the hallway. And uh, they see the picture. She sees a picture on the on the wall, and that's her on the desk. And the person that she just shot was the husband of the woman who's in the apartment, and they have a baby. Yeah, and the only reason that she's yeah. like not giving them away is because she doesn't want them out there killing people because her husband is out there hunting them down. And so it's like, 
uh, great. You just helped us. And I, wants you. But I killed your husband anyway. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Sorry. And that gives her, obviously, a moment of pause to reconsider. Is this something that she's cut out for? Well, and I think the other purpose here is that the the woman gives them some information that there is a there's an elevator that's still working that still goes to the 75th floor because I think they're down on like the 29th or 30th floor and there's a hundred floors in this building. So you got you got to find 200. a way to you got to find a way to do the power up to to get past a bunch of floors because otherwise it's going to be a, an 18 hour movie. So they they jump to the top um, and they end up getting trapped. A lot of stair climbing. They do, they do end up getting trapped and from there there's another fun scene where. You know, so Dredd is going to go scout ahead. He tells Anderson to stay with the prisoner. And then he just kind of casually turns around and says, you know, you may not want to be taken alive. It's your call. And then he just kind of walks away. <laughs> so, <laughs> your call. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I just, I, I love that the deadpan Carl Urban <laughs> dialogue in this movie is tons of fun. I, I really like it. Um, and then there is a scene after that. So, so the, the plan the gang goes, goes for is once they have these two judges boxed in, then randomly they had they suddenly have like four huge Gatling guns that are that are you know inside the uh, that are available inside the block and there's just this crazy scene of them shooting these Gatling guns and just destroying everything. I that one for me goes on maybe two minutes too long. <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot of you know there's probably I don't know what forty or fifty civilians that get mowed down in that moment. So just basically everybody's yeah. dying. The visuals are cool and the moment's cool, but it's that that out of everything out of everything in the movie action wise, I'm like eh, that one's a little much. It, it does serve a purpose, though. What's the purpose? The purpose is to make Dredd realize why did they just kill, yeah, you know, fifty or sixty civilians just yep. to kill like you know two judges, right? And so he realizes there's something else going on here, and maybe their hostage is a lot more valuable than they originally thought. Yeah, and but by the way, but one thing that is really cool about that scene. So after they fire the Gatling guns and they they send uh, scouts in there to try to find them, there's a pretty fun moment where so Dread comes out and he has one of Mama's guys and basically just chucks him right over the railing dead <laughs> down to the floor. And then when you yeah. see him fade back into the smoke, that's just a really cool visual. It's, it's tons of fun. I really like that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And now they know like, oh, I guess we didn't get him. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really cool visual. Yeah. yeah, I like that moment. It's well done. They do. They're able to interrogate him afterwards. The uh, psychic is able to, uh, you know, kind of read his mind and figure out that Mama is controlling the drug interest. Using the mini guns, I think, would be kind of a. Uh, why would anyone want to help Mama if she just shot up however many people? Like, well, okay, she keep just in mind destroyed. Though, this is like one, you know, or like, let's call it like a quarter of one floor in a two hundred floor building. They killed maybe like fifty civilians, and there's seventy five thousand people who live there. The people down on floor 20 probably didn't even know what was going on. You know, like, I, think, I think the people on floor 20 were hearing something. <laughs> I think so. No, I <laughs> yeah, think so, too. Yeah, that, what's going on in there? Apparently, it took them 10 days to film this scene. Oh, really? Oh. I, I, mean, I can understand. I mean, there's lots going on there. Um, the other thing, so, so I think after this, so, so during the, the chaos, I think it's um, pretty, pretty close to this moment, um, Anderson actually ends up getting, so, she's, uh, so Kay overwhelms her and takes her hostage and then takes her up to uh, mama's lair so so she's basically she becomes a hostage uh, one of mama's hostages the other thing that's kind of interesting is they're talking to her and saying well how do you want to solve you know like we we didn't kill dread so what's our next move and then it's it's kind of funny she says call 911 and so there is a moment where some additional judges show up and they're able to talk their way through the blast doors and i i remember thinking at that point i was kind of I was sort of confused as to, oh, they, they let those judges in. But then 
a couple seconds later, there's a there's an a, an interesting moment where you see this medic that comes out and he's he says, "Oh, this is what's really happening here," and he's going to testify. But then one of the judges just turns and just shoots him in the head. So you know these guys are bad. Um, that that one caught me off guard, even yeah. though like I hadn't seen this movie in a while, so I forgot about that. I forgot about the the bad judges coming in. I pretty much figured just because um, when the the four judges show up, yeah, they're like, open the door and it opens. It's like, oh, well, obviously they're letting them in. What does that mean? Call 911. It's like, oh, these guys are obviously going to be on the take, right? Oof. But yeah. yeah, I liked that because they basically, they walk in, they look at the scene and they, um, they make an immediate um, determination of how things went down, which is completely wrong and basically serves the interests of Mama. And then they, yeah, the guy comes out and says, that's not it. And you're like, uh-oh. What do we got? Two judges trigger a turf war. Judges die in pursuit of duty. And the perps who killed the judges. Lay it out here. Sounds right. Excuse me. That's not what's happened. I've been here right from the start. This killing's all about one gang, the Mama clan. And from the sound of gunfire, I'd say at least one of your two judges is still alive. You prepared to testify to that? Sure. I feel bad for him. <laughs> I, I felt bad for him. I'm like, I'm like oh, I, yeah. think I was just trying to be a helpful citizen. It, yeah. And he paid the price. Um, so then the judges, so the judges go up and they do meet with Mama. They're going to be paid a million credits to go take out Dread. So then now you have these four judges that are going to go pursue Dread. And the first one comes upon him. And what you have, what follows is there's a little bit. So they end up fighting. And it ends with one of the greatest throat punches in all of cinema history. <laughs> I agree. I have that down. <laughs> Throat punch. Just wow. Like, great, great collapse yeah. trachea. Just the whole, like everything is just like He absolutely tremendous. He punches the student in the, the, the throat and his throat, uh, I don't know, it was, is it, was that con, concave or convex? I forget what is it when it's bent in, but it's about a, it's about a 70% compression rate on the throat, I would say. Here, here, here's a good way to oh, uh, figure out the, the difference between those two. When something caves in like your throat, mm-hmm. that's concave. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It is definitely the greatest greatest throat punch captured on screen. I didn't even realize it at first because I thought he hit him in the face. And then I looked down and was like, oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a choke on that. It's just, and it's just a good example. There, there's just fun. You know, I don't, I don't know what's digital and what's practical here, but the makeup effects that they have, I mean, some of them are obviously practical. They're all really well done. Lots of good squib work, lots yeah. of, you know, lots of brains and body parts, et cetera, et cetera, all over the place. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a visual feast for the eyes if you're a gore fan. Yeah. And that's what I thought was nice about, even if it was CGI, there was never a moment where it really felt like it took you out of yeah. it. So I, I thought that was like so well done. Regardless of what, it, how it's done, I think you're not thinking too much about it and it's just kind of a effective storytelling. And then uh, we, we kind of, we, we skipped past it before, but I, I mentioned it prior to this, there is a nice little kind of psychic duel between Anderson and Kay. And that's where she kind of melts his brain, but already talked about that. I did like that. The, uh, there was a scene where she was in the elevator with him and he was trying to like, sh- uh, maybe it's like when he had her like interrogated or something and he was trying to shock her or something like that. And then uh, he starts thinking about whatever, like something violent to her. And so she like smacks him in the face. She's like, what the fuck are you thinking about now? It's a great scene. I, I thought it was interesting that the, so the first thing he did to try to shock her was imagine having sex with her, like pretty roughly. And she was just like, eh. And then he was like, oh, well, how about this? And I don't know what he was imagining because they didn't show it, but she, that yeah. got, that, that's when she, she was a little freaked out. She 
Yeah, she definitely reacted yeah. to that. What do you think he was thinking about? I don't know. She seemed terrified. So I don't know if it was like hurting someone else or something. I don't know. It seemed... Well, and did you kind of take that when she when she did kind of attack him psychically, that what she was doing was basically pulling all of the bad shit that he's experienced out of his head and just ramming it back into him like all at once? That was kind of what I think she yeah. was doing. Yeah, because she was visioning him yeah. skinning people yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And like, uh, So then anyways, Kay has Anderson hostage in a room and he at that point is going to just kill her i actually one thing i really liked about this movie i think the script on this movie for what it is is actually pretty smart because you know one of the questions you have always is as soon as you take somebody hostage in one of these situations why not just kill them immediately and uh and mama actually gives a reason for that which is that they don't want the hall of justice to be in the know as to what happened so they're just going to try to set it up as a drug bust gone wrong right so so they're not so they said no torture You know, you can't do anything extreme here. It just needs to look like a drug bust going. Right, you can't bad. rape her. You can't torture exactly. her. Exactly. Yeah. So and I thought that was really smart, too. Yeah, I thought that was great. That was actually yeah. a really effective little piece of screenwriting there. Unfortunately, they go the Bond villain route and do a lot of talking before killing them. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, there's probably a medium amount of that, I guess. Um, but when Kay goes to shoot Anderson, she has the she has the gun, you know, the, the dread, or the, I'm sorry, the judge gun, the judge weapon. And the lawgiver? Is that what it's called, Lawgiver? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he says, and he's all excited because he's like, he said, I've always wanted one of these. What's what's fun about that moment, and then he goes to shoot it, and it is uh, designed as, as an anti, anti-theft device, which is pretty extreme, but it blows his <laughs> arm off, basically. Um, the nice thing about that is yeah. there was just, and that's a callback to the very first part of the movie where you see Dredd getting ready to go out, and there's a it says, you know, DNA confirmation match when he puts his finger on the trigger, so... It's just a nice little, it's again, I just think the writing on this for kind of being a, a pretty straightforward action movie is, is pretty good. I thought that was a good callback. Um, and then, so Dredd himself is, he's in a, a one-on-one duel with, with one last judge and he gets shot and he's laying there and uh, it's, you know, so it's kind of another fun moment where the judge comes around and, and Dredd says, wait, and this, this judge is kind of, you know, railing on him saying, oh, you're supposed to be this big tough guy. And when it comes down to this moment of death, this is your moment. It's like, what are you waiting for? And he was just trying to stall because then Anderson shows up and shoots this guy. So that that I thought was kind of fun. But then the other thing I liked about that scene is he he has the same Predator medical kit. You know, he pops up. I know, and, right? Because I, I was thinking like, oh, he's done for. And like he just got a huge round like through a wall and through his yeah. side. He's gonna die. Nope. Nope. Does a and he does a little bit of a, a quick quick field dressing, a combination of some goo that he sticks in there. And some then uh, some staples that automatically tighten themselves. <laughs> it does Those not look pretty comfortable, cool. but I do think that it was very reminiscent of the of the Predator's uh, medical kit. The self-stitching yourself up is yeah. always a good, uh, effective tactic. Show yeah, I don't you know are. if it's going to do anything for like any internal damage, but it stopped the bleeding. <laughs> Considering the bullet came all the way through the wall, and the, the hole in the yeah, wall was I know. massive. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and then out his front, I think there'd be more. That's why I thought he was dead. I'm like, he oh, he's, he's done for. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then from there, it leads to the final confrontation, which is, it's not as if this movie set up to have this huge ending action sequence, which is also something I think is kind of interesting. They just kind of, they fight, they fight yeah. through the, the final couple people. And then there's a nice moment where, you know, Dredd is uh, facing off with Mama at the end. And she has, she's stuck a monitor in her arm that she's linked to her heartbeat and says that if you, you know, if you kill me, then this whole place is wired and I'm going to blow up 50 stories. Uh, and his solution to that is to shoot her in a non-lethal manner first. And then he asks a question about the tra- the distance of the transmitter. And he says, you know, can it go through 50 floors of concrete or whatever? And then he picks her up, 
hits her with some slow-mo and chucks her off. And it's a, <laughs> and this is another good visual. She's falling through the air. The glass is falling with her. Uh, but, but this is actually, this kind of gets back to directly what we were talking about in terms of your ability to control your fall. Because to me, it almost feels like she ends up bending her body so that she goes face first into the cement. I don't know. I, I can't tell on that one. I thought initially she was going for the belly flop, but she did she did change mid uh, mid dive and she yeah. went head first. And then, which is probably the right call. Oh, that's what. Yeah, right? I would think so. I mean, don't you no, just? Want I your... wouldn't want to see it coming. <laughs> you want feet first? It doesn't matter. No, 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 not feet you're first. Hit I mean, so like, I want to be inverted. Okay, you'll be looking up. The last thing I want to see is like the concrete floor rushing up to meet me. <laughs> yeah, I did think it was a little bit anticlimactic. There wasn't like a that major of a standoff, which is fine. It's not. You don't really need it, but it also is like, oh, that's it. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of liked it, actually. It was because it was it was a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, not having seen it for a while, I was expecting that there was going to be this big shootout at the end, and it was, it was nice not to have it there. It was, yeah, no, this, that, it, it yeah. was well done. And, and also, just the fall itself, I thought, was great, because you get another shot of slow-mo. The, the, the music that they used during that is really cool. It's called Mama's Requiem. And just like all the other scenes when someone's on slow-mo, it goes from this this industrial type music score to this very sort of um, uh, slow and beautiful ethereal music, yeah. and and it's really really well done. Yeah, actually, I like the score for this movie. I think the score is I loved it. I think the score is, is really effective, and I think it's it's yeah. used to great effect uh, in terms of just kind of you know particularly the kind of the sort of the driving determined nature of dread. There's a lot of that. Uh, you mentioned the and then of course yeah. the. Yeah, the, that switch to the drug scenes. Uh, overall, I thought the I thought the score was a strong point for this movie. Yeah, it's uh, it was done by a guy named Paul Leonard Morgan, and it's this very industrial music score. Um, I was actually listening to it before the podcast. You can look it up on YouTube under Cyberdelic Electronic Rock slash Neo Psychedelia slash Stoner slash Electronic, which I think is hmm. it sort of nails it. it. <laughs> that, that does sound like the kind of music you'd you'd probably want to use or listen to while you're on slow mo. <laughs> so I think I'm going to actually have to go out and um, nine years later buy the soundtrack. Yeah, it's not on Spotify, on Spotify dude. or I'll do that. <laughs> 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 well, and I mentioned this before, but the visual, the the camera or the angle is set up so that when you see her hit the ground, you actually see her face slowly separating, <laughs> which is like yeah. that yeah. is the that's the the cherry on the top for the violence in this movie, uh, and it's I think it's pretty. I mean, I was laughing at that point, honestly. I thought it was pretty well done. I think it was a little bit risky of dread to test the strength of the transmitter. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure he's he's risking like fifty thousand lives on like I, yeah. I think we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... It might not be strong enough. Well, not only that, but was she actually bluffing? And yeah, did she really wire the whole building to explode? I mean, like, yeah, or you know, or at least the top fifty floors. Eh, yeah, it's so never sure it's never that, referenced but... until that point, so it's not as if it's set up to be something that is. You know, like, like a real... I think it was a really good bluff. And if it wasn't, then, yeah, I mean, how far up are they? Like 200 stories, that's, what's that, like 2,000 feet off the ground or something? So so what we yeah, have here is we I have... I the transmitter would have worked. I, I think you need a couple of uh, judges at the bottom. Like, uh, we're going to need a few more <laughs> no, screen say, <laughs> Oh, I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> like, so what you have is you, you, have a, you have a protagonist that's locked in a tall building that is wired to explode at the top. I was like, where have, yeah, I, exactly. where have I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then the, at the very end, so Dredd, you know, he goes, he goes down and he's, again, this is, this has all been uh, Anderson's assessment training run. So 
she's she's been through the uh, the meat grinder on that one. But it's pretty funny because the administrator that was talking to Dredd in the beginning comes up at the end and asks him, you know, what happened in there, and he has, he has this really just deadpan response. So what happened in there? Drug bust. Just a drug bust, which I, which yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I love that line. I love the way it's that like, he delivers it. It's just another day at the office. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had a I had a ton of fun watching this movie. I like this movie. I'm a fan. I think the um, oh, oh, let me ask this. So do you guys have any interesting uh, trivia notes? Because I have a, a couple things. So this one's off of IMDb, but apparently Carl Urban kept his helmet on all the time while on set, and he kept like a very stern demeanor. And somebody like at one point I guess cracked a joke on the set, and he turned and glared at them, and the guy's like, "Sorry, he apologized." <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, so Carl Urban was doing maybe just a little bit of method acting there. Uh, and then the other thing I thought was interesting is because it's based on, you know, Harry Callahan, the tie-in to Clint Eastwood, apparently in the actual Dread comic, uh, Dread himself lives in the Rowdy Yates block. Uh, and that's the name of Clint Eastwood's character on Rawhide. Um, I don't have any trivia, but I do have some questions. Number one, is it a requirement when playing Dread to frown? <laughs> I don't think he's a happy person. No, yeah. Because he's definitely got a huge frown on his face. And I think Stallone does too. But that might be like resting Stallone face, so I'm not really sure. If your job is to go out on the street, though, and just execute a handful of people every day, I, I can't imagine <laughs> you're a happy person inside. <laughs> I think this story took death and the execution a little stronger than the comic books did. I remember reading some back in the day. I, I don't have a great memory of the comics. I think there was a Batman crossover also that I, I, I think that's where I got interested in the comic. But um, I don't think they were quite as violent as the, uh, as the movie portrays. Well, that, he definitely, I mean, this one, they, it's, it's, it would be a tough job. Marcus, that was actually going to be my next question. Are the comics this violent? I, I don't think so. I think this was before they got into, it wasn't as ultra violent. It wasn't like the Sin City because this was published like in the early uh, or late 70s and throughout the 80s. Uh, and I think it's still actually being published today. Like, uh, I think they might still be. Yeah, done. it's supposed to be the, I guess, one of the um, longest running comics coming out of Britain. Yeah. But no, I don't remember it as being, I haven't read them in a long time. So I don't, I don't have a great memory of it. And it wasn't, uh, wasn't high on my list of interest. I don't remember it being as violent. I remember like the Sin City comics that came out of, um, who published those Dark Horse or, uh, yeah, it was a Dark Horse or Image, maybe? Image, yeah. Remember. Uh, those were a lot, a lot more violent and memorable from uh, kind of notorious for that. And so the movie feels like it's in that level <laughs> of violence. Okay, question. Why did they never make a sequel? Because it bombed. Yeah. It's, it would yeah. be my take. Like, it, it, it wasn't a financial success, which is too bad because I think it, like, this is definitely a much better franchise than a lot of a lot of. See, Snyder's I think there's shit. probably two or three of these movies <laughs> if you actually have this be the first movie and not the Stallone version. I, I think I, I, 100% yeah, I think the Stallone version completely kneecapped this movie. I think it was just, you know, I think there was, it didn't have a chance from the start. Yeah, and, and they were looking to do another one with Carl Urban and it was just, they couldn't do it because it was such a financial disaster. Which is too bad too, because I think DC could have had, this would have been a really interesting universe. Like Anderson is a super interesting character. I think a lot of it could have gone in I don't know if they created a whole world around around Megablock City or whatever it's called. Mega City uh, One. Uh, but it's a definitely a cool world. It would be really interesting if they if they did more with it. But thanks, Stallone. Uh, yeah, this frustrates me because I really do. I thought this movie this movie's tons of fun, and yeah, the Stallone went on that super shitty run of movies like when he hit the early '90s. I remember he made this. He made that 
trapped in an underwater tunnel one was that daylight um that wasn't bad demolition man was was okay but i don't know that it would hold up on rewatch now it wouldn't well, i think that's a problem i think the stallone movie too is like very early days for superhero movies i think it's very late days for stallone and so like it has a lot working against well, it, 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 right? it still pretty still campy had too a, right that's what you're saying colin yeah it, but that's the 80s uh action movies, it is right? that's like, it's sort of like an extreme 80s action movie combining both the extreme action and the one-liners but it just went over the top just just if you if you have hulu it's on hulu go watch like the first 15 minutes of judge dread you know what it even it has diane lane in this sort of you know sidekick role sort of what sidekick. diane lane is in that movie i know right and you know what oh my god based on the first 15 minutes she's terrible oh my god uh, uh, no. it's it's not a good movie well to wrap back to this movie with some closing thoughts. Do you want to do closing thoughts or do you have anything else you'd like to offer at this time? I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on post-apocalyptic movies? <laughs> Just in general? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I did think that, well, there is there is a certain genre of post-apocalyptic. I don't typically like them, you know, uh, and this is why uh, probably the biggest reason why I'm not a big Road Warrior fan. I don't really like movies set in that, that sort of uh, genre. But um, personally, I, one, I think it peaked with Solar Babies and it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> I'm in general, I'm a fan of them. It gives an opportunity to build a new world and have a, a new kind of a structure. So you don't, you're not tied into a lot of, um, the re- it allows you to bend reality in certain degrees. Like, okay, we have this like crazy judges who are shooting and killing people and that's totally fine. Whereas if it was just like 10 years in the future and sounded this post-apocalyptic or if it's like a modern day film setting that wouldn't work at all like you back oh, no no this is not gonna be like no no way is this gonna fly but you go 100 years in the future and the you know we've had a world war and then you're like okay like shit can shit can go bad quickly and, you and then you end up with the, and then you end up with the free sense. jack situation i'm not saying all movies but i like the premise of the po- post-apocalypse right you can have like oh we're in the world like mad max you're in a world with gasoline shortages non-existent or water or whatever it might be Usually it's uh, usually it's water, gas, yeah. or the Bible. Those are those are three items that people yeah. are looking for. Um, I actually I as a genre I actually like them. I do. Like, I mean I I usually yeah. I'm more interested than not in seeing a movie provided it's going to be good. The, the problem is you have to you have to. It's either those movies are usually either mostly work or they're way about way off. Right. It's like you kind of know within the first fifteen or are twenty. You mean minutes. like Waterworld? I think Waterworld's actually underrated at this point. Right. I think it's um, unfairly slagged. Let me say that. It's not, I don't, I don't love it as a movie, but I don't think it's some horrible bomb. Same thing with The Postman, both those movies. They're kind of Kevin Costner ego projects, but I don't think either of them are necessarily mm-hmm. horrible movies. I, I would I disagree like the on kid. Waterworld. Kevin Costner is great. I do like the, the Road Warrior, though, is an awesome movie. I love that movie. I know you don't, Colin, but yeah. yeah. You like Mad Max, the uh, Fury Road. I did, but only because it's just a, like a complete overload of amazing action. And uh, it, they don't really so dwell on the post apocalyptic. Yes, it's just that's the setting, at least in my mind. If you compare that one to uh, Dread, do you like Fury Road or Dread better? I'd probably say Dread. Because Dread, because it's so isolated, it takes place in the the tower. I don't really get the whole, you know, the post-apocalyptic landscape is not really in your face that much. It's just more like a futuristic society. Yeah. You know, like like Logan's Run. I like that movie, actually. (laughs) I like Logan's Run. All right, well, you guys ready to do closing thoughts? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Marcus, overall thoughts. 
fun movie. It's got a lot of good things going for it. I definitely enjoyable. I'd probably give it letter grade. It's a B plus probably. It's definitely worth watching. I wouldn't say it's like one of the one of my great favorite action movies of all time, but really glad to watch it. It's if you haven't seen it, give it give it a look. Colin. Uh really good creative, well made action movie, well made on all fronts, and with some really good performances. Yeah, it's violent, but um hey, if I can stand it, so can you. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'll I'll echo both of you guys basically and just say that I had a it, this I really enjoy this movie. It's for the design of it being kind of a linear action movie. I think it's extremely well done. I think the visuals are fantastic. I think it's uh, amazingly atmospheric, right? So the, the set design and the lighting and uh, everything, that the world that they create inside this tower, I think is really effectively done. Um, I think Carl Urban is fantastic in this. Uh, actually, I think, I, think all the, I think all the performances almost across the board are really solid. So it's not, you're looking at somebody and saying, oof, that's a, you know, which that person wasn't there because they're distracting. There's none of that. I think the homeless guy, the homeless, a bit better. homeless guy wasn't carrying his weight. <laughs> uh, and I, I do think that the, you know, again, while they don't, they don't go too deep into it. I think the world building is it's there and it's interesting and it's, there's enough of it there to kind of sort of pique your curiosity and also, you know, establish that this, this guy, this whole judging system, you know, yeah, it could be a real thing within this b- bizarre reality. So the whole premise isn't even doesn't end up being a tremendous leap. I mean, it's it's obviously you know apocalyptic sci-fi, but it's just done really well. And I this movie is tons of fun. As a grade, I'm going to give it an A minus. Uh, I think that ultimately this is a strong recommendation. And if you are going to to watch this movie though, just make sure you pick the right one. <laughs> Do not accidentally hit the 95 Stallone version <laughs> yeah. because uh, that would be a horrible disappointment as a point of comparison. <laughs> Uh, Dread is available on, I believe, Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime yeah. and Hulu. Prime yeah, and I Hulu. which one I watched it on. Judge Dread is available yeah. on Hulu. Don't mistake the two. Don't, like Dave don't said, don't Just mistake the, the two. But watch the but watch Judge Dread. You'll, you'll know quickly. Watch Judge Dread after if you want to have a good laugh. Or or never again. All right. Well, I think we're on to my pick. So. All right, Dave's pick. Oh, yeah. Yes, and yeah. so mm-hmm. and I, I so know we it's are gonna be. we're going to be watching a movie. So we had. Uh, so one of our loyal listeners wrote into us and said that uh, in, a, in a review on a site that they enjoy our discussions and discussions was in quotes. So I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what this person means by that. Um, I, will, I will say that his name is Nick. I think it's Nick. Could be Neek, but I think it's Nick. Uh, last, name, last name has an H abbreviation. And he requested that we watch and provide our thoughts on the film Gladiator. So we are going to watch Ridley Scott's 2000 uh probably not so historically accurate masterpiece um gladiator so that's going to be the next one we're going to watch fun one all right we're just going from man crush to man crush you're going to russell crowe <laughs> is that your man crush he used to be uh, and by the I way i think he nick, was supplanted by carl urban <laughs> nick did uh specifically ask us to take a look at uh the some of the actual roman history versus what happens in gladiator to provide some thoughts there nick i'll just say temper your expectations on what you're going to get um he also did provide some feedback that apparently were one of us is saying do correctly on Hot Shots Part Do. So, and one of us is not, but I forget. I think Colin is screwing it up. I can't remember. Huh? Yeah. So, huh? So, the, so how we're saying the word do in Hot Shots Part Do, one, one of us is saying correct. And the do. way that you say it is uh, apparently one, one means God and one means two or something like that. Oh, I think I, the way I say it is Hot Shots Part Do. 
Right. And I think, I think the overemphasis might be incorrect. So <laughs> that's the feedback we received. So clean, thanks, Nick. Cl- thanks, fucking clean it up, for, Colin. Come on. Th- thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. We will return with Ridley Scott's Gladiator. We hope you enjoyed our largely enthusiastic conversation about the 2012 version of Dread. Uh, again, just make sure that you do not watch the Stallone version and you instead watch the Carl Urban version. And with that, this is the Real DMC Podcast, signing off. Stallone, he likes the the, the nice tight nylon fabric. And then... <laughs> Thanks for the outro, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>